Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411 Mania site. Uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Share us around on social media because we would appreciate it. Today, I am joined with my good friend, Jeremy Lambert. Jeremy, how are you? I caught strep from Jim Cornette, and so I've been better. Jim Cornette poisoned you, huh? That's right. He blocked me on Twitter, and then he poisoned me at the NWA show. Oh, damn. Jim Cornette's not a fan of me, apparently. I don't want to get the man in trouble. I don't know. I, I'm sure I did not get strep from him. I didn't actually interact with him. But I got strep uh, over the weekend, and so... Uh, a lot of rest, a lot of ice cream, which has been cool, and yeah, that's a, that's about it. So I'm hanging in there. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you're back. Yeah, we we pushed things back a day, but that is all right. We got a lot to talk about today. We're gonna talk about Dean Ambrose, Goldberg, and a lot of New Japan stuff. So let's start off with uh the artist formerly known as Dean Ambrose, who released a uh a teaser video this week uh returning to his john moxley persona and uh jeremy what did you think about this video i loved it i mean ambrose certainly got everybody buzzing right off the bat i did a, i did like a big numbers piece on it yesterday and people were pissed at me because I pointed out, like, oh, Ambrose's video has 1.8 million viewers views right now. It's the same number of viewers as SmackDown. And people, you, know, you can't compare the two. Like, I'm not truthfully comparing the two, but it just goes to show, like, how many people have watched this video. Like, it got a ton of retweets, a ton of likes. It, you know, he was trending on Twitter. And I don't know what this all actually adds up to because... I mean, WWE trends on Twitter all the time. They get millions of views on their YouTube pages, and Becky Lynch's tweets get thousands of likes and retweets, and the ratings still drop every week. Um, I would suspect that Ambrose is... He's going to boost ticket sales no matter what he does, where he goes. Uh, I mean, you throw Dean Ambrose, I guess John Moxley Moxley against uh, Joey Janela on a GCW show in two weeks, and that show selling out instantly as far as the the video itself it was really well done like will really well produced i know it's led to a lot of speculation that wwe helped them or aew helped them like i'm sure he got help from somebody but nowadays producing a good video like this probably doesn't cost as much money as people think it does and Ambrose has friends. I'm I'm sure one of his friends is some type of video producer, uh, video editor. So it it probably wasn't this big, high budget production that people people thought it was. Um, But yeah, overall, just like from start to finish, from the actual video to the buzz that it created, it it, I think it did wonders for, for the Dean Ambrose, John Moxley character. It got me more interested in him than fucking anything WWE's done for him in the last few years yeah and yeah i saw the speculation on all that stuff too and the one thing people have to remember is 
we're living in an age where actual movie directors and stuff have used iPhones to shoot certain scenes and actually use it in a movie. And I mean, you even look back to stuff like the broken Hardy stuff. They did that. That was all guerrilla production, really cheaply done. And like, it looked really good. So, I mean, you don't, yeah, you don't have to spend like a million dollars to make a great video. Look at all the stuff that uh, Joey Janela's guy produced for all the hype videos they did. Uh, Kenny Williams, who does all the uh, Evolve stuff. You can do really good video these days without breaking the bank. So, yeah, I know. I, everybody- jo- I joke that, uh, you know, Ambrose shot this while he was under WWE contract because his contract expired at the the last day of april and this video came out uh like two minutes past midnight so unless he shot it all in in two minutes then he obviously shot it while he's under wwe contract and i joked that he probably just went to WWE, wwe production and was like hey i'm doing this video for this john moxley character can you guys shoot it for me and the production company's like yeah sure whatever like they just didn't ask anybody because no one seems to know what the right hand is doing from the left hand in that company. So WWE probably just shot it for him unknowingly. You'll see a Dean Ambrose video on their expense report next quarter. I'm like, what the fuck is this? That would actually be really funny. That would be up there with Naito <laughs> doing the press every year and paying for his lunch. I'd, I'd laugh. But yeah, no, it's um, I thought it was really well done. Um. And uh, basically, according to all reports, he's going to be doing indie dates. He has a bunch booked. They're going to be announced soon. And uh, the the big speculation out there is that he's going to be working the PWG Mystery Vortex event. And uh, we'll see where he ends up. And a lot of people keep saying, well, WWE gave him such a great send-off, so they probably didn't think he'd go to like AEW or anything or New Japan, but you never know. I mean, here's the thing. They reportedly threw a lot of money at him to stay. And for him, it's not about the money. He wanted to be creatively fulfilled and he wanted to be happy. And apparently he wasn't happy and opted to leave. And that's, you know, hey, if that's the decision he made, as long as dude's happy, he's married to Renee Renee Young. You really should be happy. But seriously, I mean, if the guy's happy, it's all that matters. Where is he going to end up? I, I don't know. He just may do an indie date here and there and do some autograph signings, and maybe that's all he wants to do. Maybe he wants to work a full schedule somewhere else where he thinks he can have a lot of freedom. I don't know again. We'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, like you said, the uh, the video definitely made me more interested in him than anything WWE's done with him in a long time. thought it was really well done. I like the symbolism of uh, breaking out of the prison I like how everybody, a lot of people looked really deep into that. Like, oh, he's shitting on WWE. They made him. Okay, that doesn't mean he was happy, though. So maybe he I mean, he he was clearly unhappy. He got offered millions of dollars and and still left. Like, you know, and they and they they booked like the Ambrose Asylum and stuff. I know a prison is different than an asylum, but I I looked at it as sort of just the similar kind of take there is like, he was just breaking out of where he had been. I don't want to say held captive. Like he, he he did well in WWE, but he was just breaking out of a place that he had been for a while and just wasn't happy in at the end of his run and whatever the, the symbolism that, catches me is you know everyone's looking into the the aew the 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 dice that say two five and the marks on the wall 
ball that's a 25, basically double or nothing is is May 25th. I I don't like reading too much into these videos. I think in hindsight you can look at it and be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But these guys nowadays are so smart with kind of what they do and how they can trick internet fans that I wouldn't be shocked if he just did it to just increase this speculation when he has actual, like, no real plans of showing up. If he shows up, great. This is um, why I don't know, like, how much the these trends and these numbers truthfully translate to anything. Like, let's say Dean Ambrose shows up at Double or Nothing um, on May 25th. Like what? Like that show's already sold out. I think they've already even sold out like Fighter Fest and, and Fight for the Fallen. If they haven't, they're they're very close. Like okay, you add Ambrose to those shows, you 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 sell out. You guarantee a sellout. Uh, but again, they're already probably going to sell out those shows. AEW's not getting on TV until October at the earliest. So if Dean Ambrose shows up in May, like, what? Even though. Oh, this is a heavily hyped return and the the numbers with this video did well like what do these numbers translate to if dean ambrose shows up and is on aew television in october after already working a handful of aew shows probably be being on being the elite probably working a ton of indies in the in the meantime like is that going to translate into any type of ratings and the answer is probably no so that's why when I did this numbers piece, I just cautioned everyone like these are cool. He obviously created a buzz. I don't know what it fully means until then. And I wouldn't speculate that he's going to be a double or nothing like guaranteed because you do that. And then fans create uh, they get their hopes up. Obviously, we saw it with all in, you know, everyone like almost everyone thought CM Punk was going to show up because he'd been talked about. Everyone knew he was in Chicago um, for for that weekend shooting that movie. And everyone's just like, it just makes too much sense. CM Punk is going to show up at All In. And then he doesn't show up. And fans were like left disappointed that CM Punk didn't show up. And it's like, he was never advertised. Okay, tea leaves showed that maybe he would be there. But like, don't, don't build it up to where you're going to be disappointed if this thing doesn't happen. Yeah, and like you said, I think the um, like using the 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 two five the twenty five stuff in the video was, uh, you know, a, a strategy move that, like you said, just to get more buzz and stuff. And that's that's his game right now. He needs to, you know, he's trying to. The video to me was trying to show that, like, listen, I left. I'm going to be a different guy. I'm going back to what I used to be, and uh, trying to just get a good buzz going for himself and. We will see what happens, but uh, definitely very interesting. It gotta, you know, you gotta give them credit. It was well done. Got a lot of buzz, and uh, that's that is important because I mean that we'll we'll see how it goes. But again, like you said, how will it translate to numbers and influence later on? That we don't know, but uh, definitely an interesting time. And speaking of interesting things, WWE finally um, officially announced the uh, return to Saudi Arabia. Happening in June, and they advertise some talents. Brock is coming back, which I think many of us were speculating anyway, especially after the news that he wasn't going to fight Daniel Cormier. And apparently, the reason he's not fighting Cormier is because Brock's not stupid. 
Um, since the UFC changed the pay-per-view model with ESPN, Brock wanted a guaranteed uh, high-rate flat fee. And UFC didn't want to pay him, so Brock said, fuck off. But they did announce that Bill Goldberg will be returning because apparently even Bill Goldberg cannot turn down that sweet Saudi money. Now, to me, right away, this screams WWE trying to take somebody off the market. And that is my phone alarm, I'm sorry. (laughs) Now everyone knows what your alarm is. Well, that's the guarantee that I wake up at like 5 a.m. for New Japan shows. (laughs) But But, uh, I think this is WWE taking a player off the board again. I think that they're going to try to lock Goldberg into some kind of deal, um, like an extended Legends deal type of thing, maybe to where he works these big shows, does appearances and stuff. Because in my mind, you know, they're trying to stop people from leaving. They don't want to give anybody out there any more ammunition, whether it be New Japan, AEW, whoever. You don't want someone like that out. I don't think out. they have to worry about Goldberg going to New Japan. <laughs> well, probably not. But That'd be you know great. I... Let Goldberg work a G1 run. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, I think that like locking up Goldberg is their goal to the point that I guess in a way they're trying to avoid like AEW getting to have their Lex Luger returning on Nitro moment. They don't want them to have a big star up here. They'd rather them not get any buzz. And, you know, that's just, you look at the WWE hiring practice over the last couple years. We talk about the, the hoarding of talent, how they basically just have like this warehouse of talent, you know, not even using them all. And they have a ton of them. So I think that that's what they're doing with this move. But uh, yeah, Bill is back for the sweet Saudi money. Jeremy, what do you think? Uh, real quickly on on Lesnar before Goldberg is, yes, he is smart. And I know we haven't talked about this, uh, but I've talked about this with, with other people. This ESPN deal is just another thing where UFC fighters are, are fucked. Uh, any deal Dana White takes is not for the good of the fighters. It's for the good of Dana White. And this ESPN deal is just more of that because... It, pay-per-view buys don't matter anymore. Like these guys, they're they're not gonna know what the buy rates are, so they don't know how to negotiate pay-per-view points anymore. And it's all upfront money for Dana. Like he doesn't have to. He can fucking headline a show with uh, Amanda Nunes and Holly Holm. I know that's not the headliner in a couple of weeks, but theoretically he could. And like, all right, that's a good fight, but you put that on pay-per-view and it's probably doing nowadays like 150. And like that's a that's a money losing fight on pay per view, and with ESPN, it's like eh, you already paid us millions up front. We can just fucking throw whatever fight on there that we want to. Uh, yeah, Brock is smart enough to realize that. Hey, without the pay per view aspect of it, I'm gonna need more money, and Dana doesn't have to do that anymore. Like stars are less important now than they ever were in the UFC and it's it's almost WWE-ish uh, and, and Brock you know good on him he he doesn't need that money if he's gonna fight the Cormier I actually feel bad for Cormier because 
this should have been a pay-per-view fight. This should have been a million-buy pay-per-view fight for Daniel Cormier. And this, this guy's worked so hard throughout his career. He's The only big fights he's really had was the John Jones fight. And he does everything the right way. He does everything the UFC's asked for him. Like, Brock would have not only been a big-money fight, but probably a very winnable fight for him as well. And now he's got to fight Stipe Miocic again on a show that wouldn't do well on regular pay-per-view. And he's going to get boned on the money aspect of it because of this ESPN deal. So good on Brock for seeing through this bullshit that the UFC is pulling and getting more money out of fans. As far as Goldberg goes, yeah, I'm with you that it's there was always the rumors that he was going to show up in AEW uh, dating back to even before AEW was official. So I, I don't know how truthful those were everyone connected uh him and barry bloom who was also like jericho's agent and jim ross's agent and everything and so they just kind of tied it all together but AEW stance has always been like we're gonna build fresh talent new talent you bring in goldberg who's the the furthest thing from fresh and new and the furthest thing from even what they want as an in-ring product like it's a guy who is going to do two or three moves and he's not going to like fucking Goldberg is not going out there and having the 20 minute match with Kenny Omega. So I, I never got the, the tie in there outside of just, he knows people who knows people who's associated with a, uh, but obviously it seemed to scare off WWE enough to where, yeah, we're not taking any chances here. And we're just going to give this guy the, the Saudi money, probably sign him up to a some type of deal that prevents him from doing other appearances and stuff, and then go in from there. I assume they're going to book Undertaker, Lesnar, and Goldberg, or Undertaker and Goldberg at the Saudi show. Fine, whatever. Keep it short. I don't need a 30-minute. Throw Triple H in there so we can have our 30-minute classic and then move on. Yeah, and that's the thing too. Like I said, I just I think that they're just, you know, they're trying to block any anybody from getting any kind of momentum because like you said, yeah, Goldberg doesn't really fit the whole AEW thing, but again, you're trying to secure your TV deal. You want people to talk about it when you debut and you know, you're looking for something big. So, I mean, you know, you take another piece off the game board. I mean, who's really left out there? You're looking at like you know ambrose and punk and that's and i don't don't know if uh, yeah punk punk would be a i would think would look good to like television executives ambrose i i i don't know like he hasn't proven that he's like this big star who is going to just bring in hundreds of thousands of viewers you know what i mean like punk could probably do it just based off of how long he's been gone and how how he does get people buzzing uh like ambrose you can't present him and be like hey this guy's gonna guarantee our our television like right now their big presentation is chris jericho and like all right jericho is a nice piece but he he too was never this like huge huge star in wrestling and he made a very good uh name for himself outside of wrestling which, which certainly helps um yeah, Goldberg would certainly, you can point back of this guy was a huge draw. But again, this was like 20 years ago. I mean, to, 
when he returned to WWE this in this last run, he didn't like completely set the world on fire with ratings. It's just such a different landscape today to where I don't think you can take like anybody. Look at Ronda Rousey. Like she came in, it boosted for a little while, but then it just it quickly died down. And I mean, they were doing their lowest ratings ever with her on on the shows and now i mean she's gone and the ratings are going down even further but batista came back and he boosted it a little bit but not to an extent that you would think like this guy's in fucking the biggest movie of all time and he can't even boost the ratings to where it, it looks good to advertisers i just don't know if there's anybody out there that you can present outside of like the rock because he's the fucking rock and maybe john cena but those guys aren't going to AEW, so i just don't see where there's just a guy who they can present to be like this is our guy who's gonna guarantee we get these high television ratings and like goldberg probably wasn't that guy but again it seemed to scare wwe off enough to where Hey, he he got some money out of Vince for him. So if Goldberg if Goldberg leveraged AEW to get more money out of Vince, good on him. Oh hell yeah, dude! I mean that's and the thing is too is you know they're probably having to pay him a lot of money because I mean if you watch the Goldberg twenty four thing after when he he talked about you know trying to get ready for the comeback and get in Goldberg shape and try to look like as much of Goldberg as he could for Mania and everything. And, I mean, he, he basically said that he went through hell, you know, at his age and everything. And just, yeah, so I'm sure there he, uh, I'm sure he made out rather well. And, you know what, I mean, you know, more power to the guy if, if all this Saudi Arabia shit doesn't bother him, I guess. If, you know, he wants to pick up a few million to, you know, throw in the bank for his kid and stuff. I mean, I'm not going to begrudge him that. But, yeah, it's just... Yeah, the whole fucking Saudi Arabia bullshit is like, yay, we're still doing that. and They're still doing it. And again, you know, I know why they're doing it. Please don't tell me I don't know why. They're making, depending on who you believe, 45 to like $55 million a show in Saudi Arabia. That is a huge deal. Now, it, you know, theoretically, they don't need that money now because they have the billion-dollar TV deals. But the fact is, they're locked in for 10 years. And, um, you know, you're not going to turn on making $100 million despite who you piss off. And that's just, uh, that's the way it is. So, yeah, June, we're going back to Saudi Arabia, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, Goldberg. And um, it'll be interesting to see what they book exactly. And, um, you know, it's just, um, yeah, it's uh, kind of surprising because I didn't think he'd be coming back. But here we are because uh, the sweet Saudi money tastes good, Jeremy. I, the whole Saudi deal just continues to rub me the wrong way. Like it, it's clearly money. There's no other reason for them to do it, and it's kind of just sad on many levels that they just they want this money so bad that. They're not going to pull out of this deal, despite everything we know about Saudi Arabia. Um, it, it sucks, but I mean, the stock's dropping, the the ratings are dropping. I don't know if it's 
all conducive to because of the Saudi Arabia deal. At some point, they I feel like they should look at that and be like, hey, maybe our fans aren't too happy that we're associated with these people, and uh, we would be better off if we weren't associated with them. Maybe it would look better. You know, WWE is all about portraying public image, and then they go and do this. It's just the, their public image is only good to them if it's making them more money and they don't care about their public image with this Saudi money on the table because it's, it's more, it's more than they get out of WrestleMania. So exactly. It's, it's a shame, but the, it's Vince's company. We're just talking about it. That's right. So we're going to move on to some, uh, some new Japan talk now. And um, the wrestling Don Taku tour is about to finish up and, before we preview uh, night one and two, I kind of want to talk about the overall, the the road to Don Taku and the tour and the execution of it. I, for one, while it's good for me financially, um, I kind of really feel like they overextended themselves on this tour. There was a lot of shows. There were a lot of live shows, but there were also some shows that didn't even air. It was a really long tour which while it was used to build the matches coming up, there were a lot of repetitions or variations on the same matches happening every night. And in some cases, like the LIJ, Chaos, and Ibushi matches, they were very good to great, which is, you know, that's good. But, I mean, you know, it's, it's a lot if you're not me. You know, it's like I, I get paid to do this. If you're an average New Japan fan, you may not want to watch 15 Chaos versus uh, LIJ matches. You know, you may not want to watch the same undercard tags all the time. So it becomes like a very exhausting thing, which also I feel spilled into the uh, the Sendai Sengoku Lord and Ahino Kuni shows, which were kind of a step above the road to shows but didn't really feel like they were anything more than a Road 2 show. And part of that was because, again, you had this long Road 2 tour, and in a way to justify it, they had, like, the six-man titles uh, defended on the Road 2 tour. They had the junior tag titles, which was an excellent match, defended on the tour, to whereas you could have added those to Sengoku Lord or Hinokuni to make those better shows. So I think by dropping a couple of those shows uh, and giving a couple of days off instead of doing unaired shows, tour probably would have came off better, less exhausting for the wrestlers and less exhausting for the fans. Uh, your thoughts, Drew? I didn't watch every single one of the shows on the Road 2 tours. Because Fucking lazy I, ass. I know. I know, right? Uh but it was a lot of shows. Like I did results for a lot of the shows and I'm just like, fuck, they had another show last night. Like they just had four straight nights of shows. And it's fine, but it, it's very much just a like it's a very the, the shows aren't huge shows or anything so they're they're doing a lot of the same matches or a lot of you know maybe they mix and match one guy here or there but it's just a lot of tags and everything uh and it's just very much like a a wwe live event tour where if, if you do the results for these shows you see they they run this you know three four straight shows uh each night and it's 
it's the, it's the same match every single night. Maybe with you add a guy here, you replace a guy there, but it's for for the most part, it's the same gist of of the lineup, and and it's just like you can only watch this stuff so many t- times, and if if you're doing night for the for the row two and it's like you can only see these matches in the same iteration like so many times um the 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 stuff that i did watch was um stuff where i read your reviews and you recommended it like you gave it a high rating so like okay i'll go out of my way to to watch this match and like there were some good tag matches on on this tour but especially at the the start of the tour but at, by the end of it pretty much after um the the Sengoku show, I guess. The, after that show, it just it was the same match, and the guys seemed just kind of burnt out from it all, and just they they kind of half assed it. And I, I can't even say I blame them because you know why why should they keep raising their game every night when it's they're gonna have to do it again the next night? Um, so yeah, the the tour the tour felt a little long, and that's from someone who just posted results the next day and didn't actually watch every single event. Yeah, the other thing I think is a misstep too is that you're doing this long tour and then you have some guys going to the U.S. to work the ROH shows and then you're going to go right into Best of the Super Juniors. So there's like 15 shows going on and it's like, yeah, you're 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 going to overextend the talent at some point. We don't we don't need anybody getting hurt because I think another thing that the Don Taku tour showed is that um, on the mid-level shows and on the higher-end shows, too, is uh, you're just looking at everything and, you know, losing Adam Page, Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny Omega, I mean, it hurt the depth chart because <laughs> you didn't have as many bigger matches and you, didn't, you weren't able to change the lineups as much. And, um, I mean, say what you will about, you know, not everybody's a big Cody fan, but when he would come in for the bigger shows, I mean, you know, he, it was treated like a big deal and just, you know, you lose all those other guys too. And it's, uh, yeah. So I, uh, I hope that they don't, uh, do it again next year. Cause yeah, it was just, I think it was too many shows, especially because like I said in there, they were also running some shows that weren't even, um, air. And it's just like you're you're gonna overextend your talent, and we don't need people getting hurt. And um, again, I I appreciated the content, and I think that they did a lot of really good build for matches. Like all the stuff between like Show and Shingo was awesome. All the evil versus the Big Tom Ishii stuff was awesome. The uh, Naito and Ibushi stuff's been really good. You know, the Okada Sonata stuff's been good, and all those tag matches. But yeah, I just I think you get to a point to where it's just it's almost content for the sake of content they don't really need to do that i think it's nice that you're trying to you know like i love that the best of super juniors is actually going to be all live this year because i hated having to wait for the video on demand stuff and it also makes it feel extra secondary to g1 when it's like well yeah it's like we'll give you like five live shows but you know the other 10 you have to wait video on demand and then you're only getting tournament matches so I like that, but yeah, I think the Don Talkie Tour kind of overextended its welcome. Uh, so did you get to watch the Hino Kini show? I did. I did watch that show. Okay. We'll just kind of do, you have any quick thoughts on that one? Uh, I mean, some of these matches like weren't even as good as the 
some of the road two uh tag team matches it was it was a show like i got through it jay white and goto was good i enjoyed that match as we previewed it was a good rehab win for for jay white the Gorillas of Destiny and uh, Makabe and Yano kind of was what it was. Uh, I'm glad they didn't put the titles on Yano and Makabe. No offense to those two. Um, but I, I like the Gorillas of Destiny and their run right now. They still need to build up more tag teams, as as we've talked about a lot. And then the, the LIJ and Chaos... Um, Multi-man tag team match was was good, but again, we we'd seen that match so many times on the Road Two tour that it just it was just another version of that match. So there was nothing like outside of of White and Goto. There was nothing like super stand out on this show for me. Yeah, like Juice um, Robinson and Chase Owens can just go away forever. Yeah, and I'm sure Juice feels the same way at this point. But I mean, yeah, it's um. Uh, yeah, I thought it was a very, very almost painfully average show. Like, it was there. I didn't think there was really – I didn't think there was anything bad on it. But, again, like like the LIJ versus Chaos Ibushi match was very good. But I had seen that match a lot of times already. So it's like, okay, that's that's fine. I thought Jay White and Goto was very good. And um, everything else was just sort of there. And that's – you know, it is what it is, and unfortunately, like I said, you know, you look at that show and you um, you change the LIJ match and the Chaos match to a to a like a six man, and they like you do like Ibushi, Ishii, and Okada versus Naito, Sonata, and Evil, and then you add the junior tag title match to this show, and it's like completely different show, because that's like a fucking excellent match. So yeah, you could have. You could have changed it up a little bit, and again, that's uh, that's what happens when you overextend the tour and run up too many shows. And um, yeah, so again, hopefully they kind of learned a lesson because it was mostly average shows. There was a couple good ones in there, but uh, like we kind of said, there was really nothing you needed to go out of your way to see. Maybe a match here and there it was a very big cherry picking tour. You know, it's like if you, if you, there's a reviewer you trust, whether it's me or Arnold Furious, or um, I think Ian Hamilton over at Backdrop Driver, you know, or the guy who has a voice in wrestling. If there's someone you trust and you see a good match rating, you know, you probably just cherry-pick the tour. I can't imagine a lot of people actually watch the whole tour just because it was so much of the same thing. Yeah, I, I agree. That's again, that's pretty much what what I did. Is I saw which matches you were high on, and it's like, all right, well, these are the matches I'm gonna go out of my way to watch. And otherwise, I just it's a lot of wrestling, and I like New Japan, but I only have so many hours in the day. I'm not. I I get more sleep than Larry, and I don't feel like I get enough sleep. So that tells you how much sleep Larry gets. Yeah, those 5 a.m. wake-up calls don't help either. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, so we're going to move on and uh, start giving preview for the uh, the two Dontaku shows. One on – apologies if there's an awkward pause in there. We had a little internet issue. Back on episode 16 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast, I'm Larry Zonka, joined by Jeremy Lambert. You can follow the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, 
YouTube, make sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share us around on social media as we would appreciate it. Again, we're going to start uh, previewing night one of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, Dontaku. And uh, we were talking in the uh, Road 2 coverage that uh, a lot of variations on the team, and we're going to get some more of that on this show as we start off with Hanma Umino Narito, Narita, excuse me, versus Hanare, Suji, and uh, Iwamura. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, f- I figured Narita, Umino, and Hanma won the winning. Yep. That is exactly what I am thinking. They've uh, done variations on this match throughout the tour. It's it's usually pretty good to good. Um, the um, I will say that Suji and uh, Uemura are starting to finally come along a little more in terms of uh, confidence and aggression, which uh, just being the more inexperienced lines they didn't have compared to when you see him against Umino and Narita and you know Hanma and uh, Hanari are going to be there and. Hanma, Mr. Kokeshi, probably. And, you know, I will say, though, I, I have to admit it, I do laugh every time that Hanma comes out in his uh, silly ass mask thing. And he sits there and Kev- he takes it off. Of Kelly- Kevin Kelly goes, Hey, it's Hanma. And it's like really deadpan. And then he did it the other night. <laughs> hey, it's Hanma. And then he goes, You know, one day it's not going to be Hanma. <laughs> really rough. And he just, it was total deadpan, but it was really funny. And I, I don't know why, but I popped. It was good stuff. Uh, moving on, we're going to have some more build to Liger versus Suzuki here as Yoshihashi, Jushin Liger, Tiger Mask, and Taguchi face off with Suzuki, Kanemaru, El Desperado, and Takamichi Noku. Your thoughts? Um, it's going to be a match. I don't know. The, these, these, uh, I look forward to Liger and Suzuki. Their interactions, their interactions have been good so far. These multi-man tag matches—they just all blend together to me. I don't care about Yoshihashi. I don't care about Taguchi. Uh, Taka's not going to do Zack Saber time, so it's basically Liger and Suzuki. Yeah, I do miss when Zack's not on the tour because we don't get the Zack Saber time. But uh, yeah, time I'm, of the best time of the event. That's right. So um, yeah, I am looking forward to uh, the old man fight between Liger and Suzuki again here. It just it's been a lot of fun, and um, I, I'm thinking maybe Dominion for that. Um, but we'll see. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Suzuki Gun has been winning a lot on the tour. Wouldn't be surprised to see them win again here. Uh, moving on. Uh, Again, variations on the theme. Makabe, Yano, and Will Ospreay versus Tamatonga, Tongaloa, and Hikaleo. Uh, I figure Hikaleo takes the loss here. And yeah, that's that's that. Yep. I mean, really, I mean, these the undercard stuff here is there's not a lot to digest other than a few very small things. But we'll start getting into uh, something better here, though. Kota Ibushi, Sho, and Yo versus Naito, Bushi, and Shingo, which means we get to see more of Shingo and Sho trying to kill each other. Yeah, I like uh, this this feud between Lij and, and Rapongi 3K because it's it's all about beating Shingo, and it's you know it's a very simple uh, story. Like this guy's never been defeated. And like Rapongi, like they 
they don't give a fuck about winning the match. They just want to beat. I mean, they care about winning, but as long as they're just beating Shingo. Uh, so I, I really like that that story that they're running there with, with Shingo and Roppongi. Um, I, I assume they get paired up in, in Best of Super Juniors at some point, and then uh, it should be should be great, great match. And then the Bushi and Naito interactions will, will be fun as well. Yeah, and the other thing too is like, because Shingo and Sho complement each other so very well, and Yo and Bushi also complement each other. So all the pairings work really good here. But um, it, I mean, I like Naito and Ibushi. They've had absolutely tremendous matches this year. But I mean, right now I'm just I'm all about Sho and Shingo. I'm just uh, that's my jam right now. Just like uh, Ishii and Evil. So um, I, they're they're gonna face on night two as well. I think I think Lij takes the win on night one. Fair enough. Sure. Uh, we're going to move on to a match that uh, six guys that have been intertwined all tour long. Goto, Juice Robinson, and Mikey Nichols versus Jay White, Bad Luck Fallet, and Chase Owens. These guys all had uh, singles matches on the tour. Fallet beat Nichols, White beat Goto, and Juice beat Owens. So this is the continuation of that on the undercard of this show. Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think Bullet Club wins this one. It's it's again outside of like I like White, I like Goto, I'm fine with Juice. The other three I don't have any use for. Uh, I, I think Bullet Club wins this one, and then the team Team Juice wins. I guess Team Chaos uh, wins the the next night. So yeah. Moving on, we have uh, the big all-star tag here to hype up night two. Okada and Big Tom Ishii versus Sonata and Evil. Which, again, like I talked about, that means we get to see Ishii and Evil try to kill each other. And it, the one good thing about that whole long tour was that like every night I got to see that uh, face-off. And these guys have been great, and I'm um, I'm honestly looking forward to their match more than anything, uh, even over Okada and Sonata. Yeah, finally a, a match that you can kind of sink your teeth into a little bit as I feel a sneeze coming on. Um, sorry. Uh, I, I like this tag team match. I don't, I don't suspect... <laughs> sorry, I don't have a mute button on my mic because my Skype sucks. I I expect this match like they won't turn it up to a ten quite because they have this big singles match matches um coming up the, the on the following night on the uh during this show but like they'll probably kick it up to like a seven seven and a half and this tag match will probably be really really good I suspect it'll be um it, pro- it probably won't be as good as the junior heavyweight title match but. I'd be shocked if it wasn't right behind that if all four of these guys decide, hey, we're going to give you enough of a preview of the singles matches but still leave a little something on there because, I mean, even if they just give you a little taste, like, these guys are so good that a a taste will be plenty plenty satisfying. So I I look forward to this match. I figure Evil and Sonata probably win. Um, I, I don't... New Japan doesn't always follow like the they're a tag team so, who team more regularly, so they end up winning. 
I feel like this would be the time to to go with that, especially since like Okada is going to beat Sonata, and I guess Ishii and Evil can can go either way. Uh, but I, I I feel that Evil and Sonata probably take the victory here. I actually think Okada and Big Tom are going to win this one because Lij pretty much dominated the tour. Uh, I think they lost like one match against um, Chaos during the whole thing. So. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to go the opposite on this one, although um, either result I think is fine as long as you get a quality match and they continue just to hype those matches up for the next night, which, again, they you know the tour was long and a little overstated, but, again, they've done a really good job building to the matches. We move on to our first title match of the evening, never openweight champion Big Jeff Cobb defending against Tai Chi. <sighs> I love Jeff Cobb. I think he's great. I wish companies would do more with him. And not to say like he's not even doing well in companies. Like he's he champions he's a champion in ROH in New Japan. I still feel like there's more on the table with this guy. I don't give a fuck about Tai Chi. Um I I feel bad that Jeff Cobb has to wrestle Tai Chi. Maybe Tai Chi can can lift his game. We've we've seen him do it against the right opponents in the past. I just don't have any use for this guy, and uh, I feel bad Jeff for Jeff Cobb in this one. I, I assume Cobb wins, but because he wants to stick around in New Japan, and he, he's he'll work pretty much any tour they give him. I feel like um, it, because it feels like he's more of a he wants to be more of a New Japan guy than an ROH guy. Uh, but if, if Tai Chi wins and they decide to go with him with the never open weight title, whatever, that, that belt hot potatoes so much that it's tough to really care about it. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I like you. I'm a huge <laughs> Jeff Cobb fan. I think the dude is awesome. I, um, Tai Chi's a guy that most of the time I have no time for. There have been three Tai Chi matches I thought have been great over the past couple years, and that was against Naito, Tanahashi, and then against Ishii recently. And um, Yeah, so we had great matches against Naito, Tanahashi, and Ishii. He's yeah, good. which, I mean, you know, <laughs> with, with me with one leg, I could probably have a great match with those guys too. But um, Yeah, but the thing is, is like when he is – not just doing the overstated cliche heel bullshit and he's more the dangerous T character and actually goes out there like in that last match with Ishii, he was great in that match. Loved it. I just I thought it was really, really good. And that's I know he's a heel and I get what they're trying to do, but I just I wish we would get more of that with him. But I fear that I kind of really fear that we're not going to get any of that here. And it's going to be just a lot of the the heel bullshit and he's going to do his thing and hopefully Cobb wins and retains. Cause I think it would be, I don't think it would, I don't think it's the right time to take the, uh, the title off and just won it. I think there's a lot of meat left on the bone. There's other fresh matches to have. So I would not change the title here at all. And I hope it's at least good. And if we get the Tai Chi that we got against Ichi, I mean, it actually could be great, but I'm just, I'm not banking on that. It happens too infrequently. Yeah, my 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 expectations are low for this match because 
you know, either, either they overshoot expectations and I'm I'm happy that there's a good Tai Chi match out there or I'm not disappointed by everything. So I'm I'm keeping my expectations low. I, I hope Cobb wins. It, as you said, it seems like it's just too early to take the title off of him. Let him have a halfway decent run with the belt. And this is the guy you can you can sort of build around. Like I don't know how much they want to build around him, but this is certainly a guy you you can build around if you if you want to like you can put him in intercontinental title mix you can have him challenge for the iwgp title on certain shows like this is a he's a really good hand and you give him more exposure in new japan and he'll start to get over more yeah and that's the thing too and he's the kind of guy that like the japanese fans really like because they like the big hossy Americans that toss people around. And that's, that's evident whenever you watch a Cobb match over there and he starts talking people around and the crowd is like, Ooh, I mean, they start getting into it big time because when you're hurling another human around, I mean, that's exciting shit. So, I mean, yeah, uh, love Jeff Cobb. Hopefully again, he retains things go well, but uh, I think it's, it's fair to say that, a lot of people probably have low expectations, and unfortunately, that's what you get with the uh, the overdone cliche heel act when you have a guy like Tai Chi like that that doesn't deliver very often. And again, I'm citing like three matches in two years where I thought it was great, and that's you know he works a lot of matches. So I mean, he's tolerable in tags most of the time, but the single stuff I pretty much have no time for. So the main event of night one is IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion Dragon Lee defending against former champion Taiji Ishimori. Jeremy, your thoughts? Hiromo Takahashi will finally return. I don't know if that's true. I I feel like this rumor has been out there for decades now. I look forward to this match. Dragon Lee is awesome. Taiji Ishimori is awesome. I hope they get more than 12 minutes or eight minutes, whatever the fucking time they got at G1 Supercard. Uh, I, I would imagine they get plenty of time to to work their style, work a nice fast pace, not even a sprint because if it's 15, 17, 18 minutes, like that's not totally a sprint, but these guys just, they're not going to slow down. So it's still... It's a it's an elongated sprint. It's a quick mile, I guess. Uh, yeah, th- this match should be great. I figured Dragon Lee re- retains. It's just it seems a little too early to to take the belt off of him. I I know New Japan does have a habit of hot potatoing cert- certain titles. Uh, I don't feel like they should do that here. Like let the guy have one defense. Let him have it through best of through best of super juniors and they kind of kind of go from there but I, I wouldn't complain about ishimori getting the belt back because i thought his run was was good and the bullet club stuff with him being the bone soldier uh was, was really strong stuff so I, I look forward to this match i can't imagine it being you know anything less than awesome yeah i, I think it's going to be great should be the best match on the show i also have lee retaining i think I do think it's too soon to take the title off of him. Plus, I think that, you know, with him winning, even if you don't do anything with a, with a Hiromu appearance or anything, in the back of everybody's mind, 
with Lee still as champion right now, in the back of everybody's mind, they're still thinking about Hiromu coming back and the possible rematch. So I think it would be good to keep it on them through Best of Super Juniors. And uh, so that is night one. Moving on to night two of Dontaku. Again, we got a little variations on the theme gimmick going on here. Shota Umino and Ren Narita versus Suji and Uemura. Umino and Narita should win as usual. Yep. Yep. Moving on, multi-man tag. Jeff Cobb, Yoshihashi, Toa Hanar, Tiger Mask, and Taguchi versus Taichi, Suzuki, uh, Kinemaru, Desperado, and Taka. So the, uh, the, the bummer here yeah, is yeah. no Liger and Suzuki interaction, but uh, there will be follow-up to Cobb and Taichi in the match. For whatever oh, Gray. I figure Hanare takes the pen, and I, I look forward to the Suzuki and Jeff Cobb interactions, actually. I hope that they they get a nice little segment where they can kind of beat on each other a little bit, because that would be a very awesome one-on-one match. Yeah, that would be... I would like, actually, if they started a setup to that here, if he's still champion. That would, that would make a lot of sense, give Suzuki something else to work towards. And uh, yeah, I think that would be fun. Makabe, Yano, and Liger versus Tamatonga, Tangaloa, and Jado. Let me say that booking matches, thankfully they put Liger in this one because Jado is just old and broken down and injured and he's really shitty in the ring anymore. But the only thing worse than having him in tag matches is when he's working tag matches with Hanma and time almost stands still when those two are in the ring. It's just really bad. Uh, I figured Chato will eat the penfall here, and Liger probably gets the victory. Yeah, and again, we're kind of continuing Makabe and Yana versus the Gorillas here as well. Uh, interaction. So moving on, Hiroki Goto, Juice Robinson, Mikey Nichols, and Hanma versus Jay White, Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, and Hikaleo. I think I had Bullet Club winning the first night, so Chaos will win this night. Yeah. I uh, I think the Faces might uh, might take this one because uh, you got Hikaleo in there, and that's his job right now to take losses. But uh, again, variations on the theme, a lot of the same guys. Rematch from night one up next, Kota Ibushi showing you versus Naito Ibushi and Shingo. Again, this will be highlighted by Shingo and Sho. Um, just because they have been so very awesome throughout the whole tour. And again, Ibushi and Naito, the stuff has been really good with them. I had uh, LIJ winning on night one, so I think Coda and Republic 3K win here on night two. Yeah, I would imagine whoever wins on night one loses on night two. 50-50 booking in New Japan. Yeah. But I think that's okay for an undercard tag right now because... You know, no, it, it is. It's it's definitely nothing like what WWE likes to do, uh, considering all of these guys are <laughs> have been built up better than pretty much anybody in, in WWE in, in years now. So Roman Reigns excluded. Uh, so it, it's it's fine. Yeah. But again, it should be a really good match. And uh, we still don't have a date for Naito and Ibushi, but I would... I would assume either on the Best of Super Juniors final event or Dominion. Uh, probably Dominion since they try to load that up a bit, but we will see when we get that. 
Moving on, we got a basically a best of Super Juniors preview match. Dragon Lee and Will Ospreay versus Taiji Ishimori and X. Uh, I think everybody yeah, expects X to be... <laughs> No, I mean, that would be awesome if he came back. But again, I think everybody thinks the mysterious X will be El Fantasma, who's working best of Super Juniors and will be part of Bullet Club, tagging with his Bullet Club brother here. So what do you think? It would be very surprising if X wasn't El Phantasmo based on the video packages that ran uh, through uh, the Japan Cup tour. And yeah, he was part of Bullet Club, Ishimori's Bullet Club. So it all signs point to X being El, T- El Phantasmo and then him joining as the final participant in uh, Best of Super Juniors. And... <laughs> This match will probably be really. I mean, it'll probably be another great match. I've I, anybody who's listened to me on this podcast over the last month or so knows that I'm I'm super high on Will Osprey right now. I think he's top three in the world right now. Uh, Osprey, you know, this is going to be just a, a great great showcase for him. Great showcase for the for the best of Super Juniors. Uh, tournament that's coming up with pretty much the the four maybe el fantasmo isn't at that level but they're they seem to have high hopes for him with all these video packages and putting him in, in bullet club and everything so maybe the four guys were kind of at the the top of the the standings by the end of best of super juniors so i'd imagine these guys are going to go out there and give everybody a really nice preview of the upcoming tournament yeah looking forward to this and I mean, and I'm not trying to be, like, disrespectful to people's personal opinions, but I personally don't get people that don't think Will Ospreay is a very good professional wrestler. There's, those people are wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of people that obviously haven't watched him a lot recently because all I hear is, oh, he does this flippy stuff in his little superhero pose and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, there is a lot of that, but he's also drastically changed his style. And he's his selling's really good. His strikes are much better. And yeah, I just I I personally don't get it. I think you're just I think you're either watching with your eyes closed or you're just not watching when you say stuff like that. But yeah, anybody Will who Ospreay, doesn't yeah. think anybody who doesn't think Will Osprey is good probably is still watching gifts from four years ago. And so that's how they're basing that's what they're basing their opinion on. Like sit down and watch literally any will osprey match from from wrestlemania weekend and every single one of them is great like go go watch the bandito match and tell me this match isn't like a nearly perfect wrestling match so good but yeah i mean yeah this one has a ton of potential to be really good dragon lee really good pro wrestler will osprey really good pro wrestler taiji ishimori really good pro wrestler and el phantasma i don't think is bad i don't think he's great like them but he is going to be put in a position to succeed because he gets to work against Lee and Osprey, and he's being positioned with Ishimori. So, I mean, this is all... I think the match is all about, like, introducing him and getting him over and trying to let him impress. So Ishimori and he should win the match. But, yeah, a lot of potential on there. And speaking of potential for just an ass-kicking awesome match, Jeremy, which is not going to be a professional grappling contest... And I, I almost hate to use the word, but this will be a war of human versus human. Big Tom Ishii versus evil. 
these guys are gonna just beat the shit out of each other and it'll be it'll be great like you said previewing the last card these guys their interactions throughout the tour have been really good and now they finally get to go one-on-one and like Ishii is probably one of just the most underrated wrestlers right now I'm not saying people don't praise him because anyone who's watching Japan long enough know how how good this guy is but you don't hear New Japan is so stacked with just so many good wrestlers between Okada, Tanahashi, um, Naito, Ibushi, Osprey. Like that's that's five right there, and yeah, all of them are probably better than Ishii, but like he's right there, kind of in that class. And they like they seem to, at least based on their their whole New Japan Cup. Like, let me point to myself nonsense that they did. Like like Goto was in that mix, and like. I Ishii is just so good and just doesn't get the praise that he he should because I mean New Japan when it comes to talent right now is, is at a very high point um, in, in their in their history so Ishii just gets overlooked a lot but he's he's great and evil can go I'm not like the biggest evil fan in the world but he's he shown he can step up in, in certain matches and this this will certainly be a match where he can uh, showcase himself better and the it's a good it's a good styles mix between these two yeah they have been great all tour long um for my money i think ishii probably for the past four and a half years has been one of if not the top two best big match performers I mean, when this dude gets a major singles match, just fucking banger after banger, match of the year stuff with Omega and Okada and various guys, and it's just, he's so good. And I just, um, I think this is almost a title eliminator. I think whoever wins is um, maybe not next up, but really close to a title shot. And um, I kind of think that means they're going to go with Evil, because uh, unfortunately... Uh, Big Tom always gets overlooked. I'm still pissed that he never got his title shot after beating Okada in the G1 like two years ago. Fucking bullshit. But Big Thomas Ishii is a gentle soul, and he won't hold it against him. Uh, I wish he would win here and get a title shot. I think it'd be awesome. But uh, it's probably going to be evil because they have a lot invested in the he and Sonata. Uh, this definitely has a chance to be the best thing on the show. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to quite beat Okada and Sonata because their, their matches are always really, really strong, but it'll it'll certainly challenge challenge them. And even the, the best of Super Juniors tag team match, like, that's going to be really strong as well. So you're looking at three matches that all have sort of match of the, the night contender there where they should be. And I'm not a star ratings guy, but they, they should all be over four stars and probably creeping into the four and a half, a five star range. So I mean that if you're getting three matches over four stars, like that's already a, a really strong card. And yeah, Ishii, he's he's good. Like you said, big match, uh, singles matches. Those with Omega last year were outstanding. And and I don't think this guy just gets the credit that he should because he's He's in an era where there are just so many good wrestlers. 
wrestlers in this company. Yeah, he he's fucking great. So the main event for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship champion Kazuchika Okada defending against Sonata. Um, you know, again, they've had all toward interact. They've done a lot of good things. The thing is here is the way I'm looking at this is there was really no call for an, uh, another Sonata Okada match. Okada beat him in the New Japan Cup. And then the, the gimmick is that he said if he won the title at Madison Square Garden, he'd give him a match. And that's like a lovely gesture and everything. But when you look at it, Sonata's 0-5 against Okada. And if he loses here and goes 0-6, Sonata may be a good brother with awesome hair, but he's going to feel Lex Luger to a point. And I think that would be really, really bad. And then you take into consideration that we just came off of Tanahashi and White winning the title and then failing to successfully defend it even once, which is a rare occurrence in New Japan. It's only happened like two, maybe three other times in the title's history. And only one time has it happened three times. So I can't see Okada losing here because they just told the story about him finally overcoming Jay White. So I get the feeling, and pay attention to this show, that if the undercard matches largely are really, really short, I think there's a chance that they're working a draw here. Simply for the fact that you don't want to shoehorn Sonata as Okada's bitch. And I wouldn't put that out of, out of the question. I think it's the best bet for Sonata if he's not winning. And again, I just I don't feel that's happening. It would be a pleasant surprise, I guess, because I don't think anybody sees it happening. But I think Okada will retain via 60-minute time limit draw. That is my bold prediction. Jeremy Lambert, your thoughts? The draw is a, a good call. Uh, I didn't it didn't really come into my my head until you you just mentioned it because I, I'm with you. This match feels I don't want to say pointless, but it, it feels unnecessary because Okada did beat him, and Okada has always beaten him. And it's like what 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 has Sonata done to earn this shot outside of Okada just being a nice guy, I guess. Um, and yeah. It's tough to see Okada losing after just winning at Madison Square Garden. They they've going back to hot potatoing the title around like they rarely hot potato the the IWGP Heavyweight title around and like that's what this would be if Sonata won. Like you'd have four champions in five months, and that's typically not how the belt is booked. Um, but then okay, so Okada wins. But then Sonata loses to Okada again, and it's like you can't run this match too many more times. Like you, you can if 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 Sonata beats him in the G one, then I guess he has a claim there, and at least then Sonata would have a victory, and maybe you can say like, oh, well, he's over. Like he no longer sees Okada as this you know, mythical figure that he just can't get over. Like, he, he beat him. Uh, so can he do it with a belt on the line? I, I don't know. There, there's different ways you can you can play that out. I really like Sonata. I think, like, he can be the top guy in this company. They're just... It doesn't seem like they're ever going to pull the trigger on him, at least not 
in the near future because they have Okada, they have Naito, they have Abushi. You can always go back to Tanahashi. So, like that's sort of your your top four right there. And so Sonata doesn't quite fit into that at least seemingly long term. Um, yeah, a draw a draw would seem to make sense now because then you're protecting both guys and. Then you can go to the to the G one and Sonata maybe beats Okada and then if you do the rematch, and there's more there's more story there than there is going into this match. If you do a rematch down the line in November or whenever, then you can say, well, Sonata beat him in the G one, so they, Sonata took him to a draw earlier this year. Maybe he he's finally figured it all out. Whereas this match, it's just. Okada's beating the shit out of this guy every single time. Why is Sonata in this position? Yeah, and like I said, just I think from a booking perspective, they have to tread very lightly here because you know, like everybody like likes to make fun of Goto because he's like 0 and 8 in IWGP title shots. You know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And uh, you don't want like Sonata getting that like same hook on him when you still got time to do big things with him. So. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I mean, I don't really expect the draw. I kind of expect them to work a 35-minute match again. It'd probably be great again. I'll call it a wins. But I'm throwing it out there that if the draw happens, I call it. And, um, but I will uh, – let me, let me say this. If for some reason Sonata wins, I will give the preemptive shout-out to the guys of Voices Wrestling, uh, Lanza and Krejci, had long said that 2019 could be Sonata's year. And they said that like two years ago. So if he wins the title, those dudes will be taking a victory lap. Again, I, I wish they would pull the trigger on Sonata. I think it would be it would be something different. It would certainly be shocking because no one expects Sonata to lose this match or uh, Okada to lose this match. So it it would it would create a nice little buzz. It would be something different. <laughs> I don't know how long Sonata's holding the belt for. Uh, it, it just it probably feels like, all right, he wins it, and then he fails to have one title fence as well. But we'll, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm not opposed to Sonata winning the title here. I know it seems like a weird thing to do because it's Okada, and like he's the king of these long title reigns and, and multiple defenses, but... And pull the trigger, you coward, Gato. Put belt on Sonata. There you go. Yeah, it would definitely be a surprise. It would be an interesting move. And I, I'm not exactly opposed to it or anything. I just, I, I don't feel it happening. But if it does, I think that's even better. Because I'm not going to sit there and go, no, I have a feeling Sonata's picking up the title. Because I don't. But again, I mean, that's kind of the glory of wrestling sometimes when you can be really surprised by something like that. And if it happens, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they go forward with it. But, uh, yeah, that is night two. Uh, I think Okada retains, but I, I think there's a good chance of the draw. And like I said, I think we'll know early on. If the, we start noticing, you know, instead of the normal nine, ten, ten minute match, if we start getting some, some sixes and sevens and some lower, uh, lower n- numbered match times, I think the draw is in play. 
So that is very possible. I will, I will certainly keep an eye out on that now that you have uh, brought it up. Or they could just run normal matches and then the show, they still do a draw and the show ends up being like four and a half, five hours long. Well, no, I don't want that. <laughs> I had enough of my long shows WrestleMania weekend. I'm good. <laughs> New Japan got a top WrestleMania on how long this show can do. They're, this is their two night WrestleMania right here. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that'll wrap us up for today. Uh, Jeremy, thank you. Uh, remember, guys, you can listen to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411 Mania site. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes, share us around on social media. Thank you for listening and have a good week.